listening to LSU Daily with Matt Moscona. Your home for all the latest Tiger news. Part of the Guarantee Podcast Network. Okay, let's get it. It is LSU Daily. I'm your host, Matt Moscona. Glad to have you aboard with us here. Lots to get to. A lot of football stuff here as well. LSU picked up a couple of commitments for the 2024 class. Uh, LSU starts spring football on Thursday. A couple of spring storylines that uh, I want to get to uh, here in today's episode. So glad to have you aboard with us. If you missed it, uh, Ross Dellinger and SI reported over the weekend that uh, it looks like as the SEC is preparing to potentially move to a nine-game conference schedule with three permanent opponents and six rotating, that Alabama's three permanent opponents, and this is what got a lot of attention because of Nick Saban's comments on it, um, that Alabama's three permanent opponents would be, as expected, Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. Auburn and Tennessee were expected. Uh, LSU was not expected uh, because of kind of how we've talked about this a little bit with respect to uh, how the league was going to match teams. The top ha- teams in the top half of the league were going to play two games against each other and then one against the bottom half of the league. And then you'd reverse that for the teams in the bottom half of the league, two against each other and one against the top, which would make it more uh, equitable. So Nick Saban um, was a little miffed whenever he said, um, uh, whenever he learned that the three teams that he was going to get. Brian Kelly uh, spoke to ESPN on the record and said, I'll read you the quote from Brian Kelly. He said, uh, I've been in this for three decades and no disrespect to any of the other schools that we play outside of the SEC, but they just don't excite me. I want to play the best. I came here to the SEC because I wanted to play against Alabama. I want to play A&M. I want to play Auburn, the great teams. And in our new scheduling, we get to play Alabama every year, Ole Miss every year, and A&M. And that's really why I came down here. I want to play those games. And I think playing nine SEC games is great for your schedule. And it prepares you for the opportunity to play for a championship but also play for the national championship, end quote. So that was Brian Kelly. Nick Saban, again, questioned the fairness of having to play Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU every year. Um, A couple of things. Um, First of all, I'm genuinely surprised. And you can say, you can call me naive, because a lot of you would have thought LSU-Bama was never going to go away. And I'm here to tell you, I, I knocked on a lot of doors last year at SEC Media Days. And the general feel for how the schedule was going to break down was how I, I described it. And that would have meant Alabama would have drawn Auburn, Tennessee, and the lesser team in the league. As it appears what the league has done is they've determined based on the last decade, Tennessee is the bottom half of the SEC team because they had a lot of bad years. So that's kind of how they're making sense of it. Although Tennessee is certainly on the come up now and they beat Alabama last year. So the perception of Tennessee is flipped, although statistically, if you're looking at objective win-loss metrics over the last decade, Tennessee would be a bottom half of the SEC team. So that's why it makes sense there for them. Uh, What my feeling talking to a lot of people on and off the record last summer was, and I shared this with you on air, This, I mean, it wasn't plucked from the air, was that LSU was going to draw A&M and the Mississippi schools. Well, as it turns out, they've got A&M, Ole Miss, and Alabama. So no Mississippi State, instead you get Alabama. Um, so I'm genuinely surprised, not necessarily at who LSU got. I'm genuinely surprised that the league is going to saddle Alabama with Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. That is a heavy load to lift. I'm not saying Alabama can't 
can't handle it. I just never thought that the league would saddle Bama with those three teams because I just you would give Alabama some credit, some benefit of the doubt, some scheduling leniency. And that's sort of been the perception, right? For a lot of people for a lot of years. Clearly not, if this is how this all plays out. And as annoyed as LSU fans were for years for getting Florida, Bama now draws the short straw. I get a lot of LSU fans love the Florida rivalry. And that is something that has built organically. But when the league went to the current model, the fact that LSU got stuck with Florida, it wasn't about playing Florida. It was that <laughs> it was that it was the it, it was the toughest draw in the league. And you could say Auburn, Georgia, but Georgia only of late has become an elite power. And Auburn and Georgia, Georgia wanted to play each other because of their rivalry. LSU and Florida kind of got stuck together by default, whereas Ole Miss gets Fandy and Mississippi State got Kentucky and a lot of other teams got layups on their schedule while LSU had to go draw up Florida. And when Spurrier was there, it was a brutal matchup. And then Urban Meyer was there and provided a lot of great games and great moments. Don't misunderstand, but to have to play that every year, it's more about just are you seeing an, a fair, equitable schedule across the entire league? And that was the problem. So with respect to LSU's draw, if LSU is going to play A&M, you know, Bama, A&M, Ole Miss every year, I'm okay with it because Bama is going to have to play LSU, Auburn, Tennessee every year. The bigger problem I would have is if, let's say, Oklahoma is coming into the league and LSU would have drawn A&M, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, and Bama would have drawn Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. I, hypothetically, I would have had a major problem with that because I'm not saying, look, I would love it if LSU got Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and South Carolina. I, I'd love it. Great. Just book your room in Atlanta every year because you have three layups in the SEC. But I also understand that's not practical. As long as LSU's path to Atlanta is equal to Alabama's path to Atlanta, I'm okay with it. As long as everyone has to play a balanced schedule, I'm good. And I get nine games. You're, there's going to be alternating years where in some years you have five home games, four road games. In other years, you're going to have five road games, four home games. And that's it's tough. It's just the nature of how it's going to be if you play an uneven number of conference games. All I want to do is at the end of the year or at the beginning of the year, really the end of the year, look at the schedule and say, yep, everyone basically had the same path to get to Atlanta to play for the SEC championship and make the college football playoff. The other part of it is the second thing that I just mentioned you're going to be in an expanded college football playoff by that time. So the thought of a 10-2 and two or even 9-3 and three LSU being in the playoff isn't far-fetched. You can lose to a couple of top 10 SEC teams in the regular season and still get in that 12-team playoff because, because of an expanded playoff. The best teams are going to make it. It's not as rigid of having to win the league or having to get to Atlanta or having to be a one-loss team and have other things break your way to get into a four-team playoff. That's why I'm I'm really okay with it. And you preserve a game that a lot of people really like, but ultimately the only thing I wanted with respect to scheduling. Look, yes, there's a lot of things you want. I, I want to play every team in the league more often. I love the fact that in a 6-3 model, you're going to play every team in the league in two years and over a four-year span, you'll have played every team home and away at least once. Those are things that, that I think are fantastic for the league, for the sport, for the fans, for, for the players, for everybody. But at its most basic level, what I really wanted was just, the, was just to have 
an equitable schedule. And if everybody has the same path, the same level of difficulty to make it, okay, then, then I'm good with, with however it, it were to play out that way. If you're able to preserve Texas, Texas A&M, if you're able to get you know Oklahoma and Arkansas playing again annually, or, or Missouri, however it may go, and, and that's good for the fans and the schedule, and it makes sense a lot of ways, great. Just as long as by the end of the season we look at the schedule and go, yep, Georgia's path was the same as Missouri's path, was the same as LSU's path, as Texas A&M's path, or Oklahoma's path, or whatever. So, yes, just I, I'm, I'm good with it. The, I would have been today screaming my head off if, L, if, if hypothetically Bama had drawn LSU-Auburn-Vanderbilt and LSU had drawn Bama-A&M-Ole Miss. That, in the end of the day, would not be something that would make a lot of sense or a lot of fairness over the over the course of a of a season or a, a a number of seasons. LSU hits the practice field on Thursday for spring, and you're going to see a lot of spring storyline pieces coming out this week leading up to the start of spring football. And I was doing an interview with uh, Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa on the game in Tuscaloosa before AFR started today. And he asked me, we're talking about the LSU-Alabama schedule thing, but he asked me, you know, what are the biggest storylines for spring for LSU? And I said there's two. There's two primarily for me. There's, there's a lot of things to keep an eye on, but two primarily that I'm looking for. Number one is quarterback. And that may sound odd because you have an incumbent. Jaden Daniels started every game last year, and he's back for a fifth season. And that just seems very obvious that Jaden Daniels is your starter. And Brian Kelly has said Jaden Daniels is the starting quarterback, and there is no quarterback controversy. But actions speak louder than words. And we saw Garrett Nussmeyer play the second half of the SEC championship game against Georgia. And then in the bowl game, it was predetermined that he was going to get every third set. Or excuse me, every third series. Jaden for two, Garrett for one. Jaden for two, Garrett for one. They did that through the second half till you know, the game was far out of hand. And they decided to go Garrett then Walker. So I get... Brian Kelly saying there's no quarterback controversy. But if you're splitting first team reps with Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer, you have a quarterback controversy. If Jaden Daniels was undoubtedly locked in your number one guy, no questions asked, you're not splitting first team reps. You think Joe Burrow was splitting first team reps in 2019? You think Bryce Young was splitting first team reps last year at Bama? You know who your guy is. So I am interested in that. I don't know if we'll be able to see it. I don't know how much they'll let us see when we go out to practice, but I will be interested to know how they divvy up those quarterback reps because if it gets to a point in spring where Jaden Daniels is taking all of the first-team reps and Garrett Nussmeyer is just simply relegated to your backup, uh, does Garrett look around after spring? I'm not saying he will. It's just tough to try to appease multiple guys. So that's one. I, I That... And the answer may just be Jaden's your starter, no controversy. But that's worth watching. If you're looking at storylines, what's worth watching? That's worth watching. That's number one. Two is cornerback. Um, and I think that's the very obvious next one. You lost all of your cornerbacks. They're all gone, either to the draft or to transfer. I mean, the only returning scholarship cornerback from a year ago is LaTerrence Welch, who I, I have high hopes for LaTerrence Welch. Um, but, but he hasn't played much. So cornerback is massive. You're losing everybody, but you're... a I would say you are objectively more talented at cornerback this year than you were last year. You add a guy like Denver Harris, who is a five-star, Deuce Chestnut, who was all ACC at Syracuse. You add J.K. Johnson, who was a starter at Ohio State. 
You had Zai Alexander, who is an FCS All-American at Southeastern. You had four guys that are objectively more talented than your top four a year ago. Potential higher ceiling, higher draft picks, all that sort of stuff. Uh, you're better there. The question is, who wins the jobs? You know, That's, for me, the other really big storyline. Defensive line rotation there is going to be big. Let's see what they end up doing with Harold Perkins. Does he move inside? There's a lot of other things worth watching. The new shuffle on the staff with special teams coordinator, you know, with uh, with John Jansen coming on the field. There's a lot of things there that are worth watching throughout spring and then ultimately into fall camp, clearly. But for me, how do those quarterback reps divvy up? And who ends up winning those starting cornerback jobs, I think, are going to be the two biggest that I'm keeping an eye on uh, this spring. Over the weekend, uh, LSU picked up two football commitments uh, for Brian Kelly's 2024 class. Uh, Collage Cobbins, a linebacker out of Destrahan, and Ahmad Bro, an edge out of Ruston. So you'll notice, obviously, two Louisiana guys. That continues to be huge. Whenever Brian Kelly took this job, it was one of the primary things we talked about. You have the opportunity to recruit a talent-rich state. You have the opportunity to drive to see four- and five-star players or get on a, a flight from Baton Rouge to Ruston that'll take you 10 minutes and then be home. It's... It's the competitive advantage that LSU will always have. Uh, Cobbins is a 6'2.5", 200-pound linebacker out of Destrehan. He's uh, the sixth best player in Louisiana, the 20th best player in the country. Uh, national, I'm sorry, 20th best at his position in the country. National number 202, that's in the uh, the on three composite if you want to check it out. Offers from a lot of different play, uh, big schools. Ole Miss, Texas, Michigan, a lot of interest from national programs. A lot of times, that's how I gauge because I don't. I'm not scouting high school players. I could tell you that's what I would look at to say, do I believe this player is good? Well, if you know, Ole Miss and Texas and Michigan are all offering him, then yeah. I mean, it's a major national player. And you look at a spot there at inside linebacker. It's where LSU is going to have to recruit. They supplemented there in the transfer portal this year, but they're going to have to build young players. Harold Perkins is going to kick inside. You know, you addressed it in the transfer portal this year. You got West Weeks. You got his brother Whit Weeks coming in. Um, you lost Colby Fields. You know, Michael Baskerville has gone to the draft. Um, Mike Jones has gone to the draft. So you're going to need to replenish those numbers with young guys and also supplement through the portal. So Collage Collins is a guy there that uh, is in is a Louisiana guy from just down the road in Destrehan that you got on board. Now uh, he was the eighth commit for this year's class. And then um, uh, a day later, LSU picked up the ninth commit for the class, and uh, it's Ahmad Bro. Ahmad Bro is out of Ruston. Again, another Louisiana prospect who uh, had been committed to Duke. He committed to Duke in January. Camped at LSU, got the offer, flipped. So edge rusher, 6'4", 235. Um, Duke, Louisiana Tech, Grambling, some, some Ole Miss, some smaller schools had offered. He's a three-star, so not the, the biggest blue-chip prospect, but... The thing that I love about this, there's a couple things. Number one, we have to start to recalibrate how Matt House and Brian Kelly are building this defense because they're going to sign edge edge players, right? Um, as opposed to a traditional defensive end or or uh, or an outside linebacker, however it may look. 6'4", 235, I love that build. I love long, lean athlete that, that can come off the edge. I, I love that. And really, the bigger question is, do you believe in this staff's ability to scout? Mason Taylor might end up being the, the perennial example we use forever with Brian Kelly and his staff because Mason Taylor was a three-star. He was like 
I looked at the composite. He was number 492. So basically the 500th best player in the country, the 24th best tight end. They saw an athlete they loved. They thought they could mold him physically in, in what his skill set was and build the position. And as a freshman made an immediate impact, he's only going to get better. Um, I reached out to uh, to a buddy who's on Rustin's staff today. I said, hey, did, did LSU get a good one there with Ahmad Bro? And I got this big, long paragraph text response gushing about this kid. First of all, if you're if you're smart enough to get into to Duke, you're a really good player. You're, you're, you're a really smart guy to begin with. But it was all about great kid, respectful, smart, leader. When we need something on the coaching staff, he's the to get to, to the players. We go to him to go to the players. He's that guy. Plays both ways. Plays tight end on offense and is an edge guy on defense. He said, like, super smart, respectful, kind dude off the field, on the field, motor, monster. I mean, just like a paragraph, a full-on paragraph gushing about um, about Ahmad Bro. So if you feel like you got a dude who's a Louisiana guy, loves LSU, wants to be here, great character, all that stuff, freakish athlete that has a body that you can build and grow and develop through his senior year, and then once he gets on campus, I love it. So LSU adds uh, prospects number eight and nine to the 2024 class. And I'll say it again, man, this staff deserves the benefit of the doubt. The way that they've recruited, the way that they've developed in a very short time in Baton Rouge, it's pretty obvious uh, what they're doing. So a couple of uh, more commits for Brian Kelly here for the 2024 class that he nabbed over the weekend. Okay, that'll do it for us here on a Tuesday edition of LSU Daily. Thanks for being here. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe up on your favorite podcast app. Rate us, leave a review on iTunes. Let a friend know if they love the Tigers. We got you covered every single weekday here for less than 30 minutes here on LSU Daily, part of the Guarantee Podcast Network.